The countdown is on. We're getting close, Suns fans. We're getting close. We are less than one month away from some preseason basketball and just over one month away until we get to see the Phoenix Suns and this new team on the court when it matters. 35 days away to be exact. Kevin Durant. For many of you, you might be listening to this podcast at a different time, and maybe it's Charles Barkley, 34 days away, or Alvin Adams slash Grant Hill, 33 days away. I'm not going to do the whole countdown. You get the gist. We're getting close, Suns fans. So until then, we just got to bide our time, patiently waiting for this track to explode on. And hopefully that's what will occur when this regular season starts. This track will explode upon the NBA. You know it. I know it. The NBA knows it. And you're starting to see some some people taking their shots at the sun. And I just want to, suns, and I just want to remind everybody, it's okay. Get used to it. No need to go on the statistical rants of why to prove a point. No need to sit there and try to defend decisions that James Jones and Matt Ishbia have made. Let the Suns do the talking for you. Smile, nod, and if you're on Twitter, bookmark it. That way, when it's all said and done, you can go back to those bookmarks, and then you can be that asshole that you know you want to be. So welcome to another edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. My name is John Voida. I am one of your co-hosts and the managing editor of brightsideofthesun.com. I'm bringing in Matthew Lissy, the second side of our podcast pod host. Oh, yeah, turn on your light, dude. Jeez. Yeah, it's not even on. It's not even plugged in. He's plugging nope. it in as we go. There okay. it is. Whew. And we're live. <laughs> that was like, close. You really even see it anyways. You know, I'm going to have different backgrounds. This right now, it's just, let's just get there. It's, there's nothing here right now. Bare bones like before. Um, so if you are watching, I apologize, but I will probably have the green screen back and some Ooh. images, a little bit better lighting, all of that. I Special effects. I did hire a crew. They'll be in here next week getting things done. Um, but yeah, who's talking crap about the Suns? Is is that really happening? I mean, I've it's been back on Twitter ever happening. since you posted that picture of me sleeping. I'm back on it now. So I'm addicted <laughs> again because I got to see how I looked. And then all of a sudden I'm back on Twitter. Um, I guess that's the thing, right? We're going to be talked about, but we got to back it up. And you book, you do bookmark, which is, I'm which is fun. I never do that. I'm absolutely a bookmarker. I'm not a big shit talker. Uh, for those who have listened and watched the podcast for the almost four years that we've been doing it. I, I don't think I'm a shit talker. I tell it how I see it, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, if you have a different opinion, that's okay as well. I, I really don't care because your opinion is yours and mine is mine. Uh, I like to defend the Suns to a certain extent and players on the Suns, but at the same time, you, you got to stay low-key because the moment you you, tar- you start to you know kind of puff that chest out a little bit and get excited – the Suns will humble you, and if there's anything that we've learned as members of the Phoenix Suns fan base, that is what occurs time and time again, is every time you start to get a little happy, a little proud, a little excited, something happens. And that's one of those things that we are preparing ourselves for as we get ready for the 2023-2024 NBA season. This is a season in which the Phoenix Suns have the opportunity to be the best team in the NBA record-wise. This is a season in the Phoenix Suns that could equate to the first-ever championship. It's on paper, right? But now they have to go out there. Now they have to play the games. And that's what we're doing on this pod. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the back end of the Eastern Conference because we didn't finish that last time. And then we're going to go through the Western Conference and just talk about kind of some of the teams that have gotten better, gotten worse, stayed the same, and where do we think that they're going to finish uh, just so we can have it out there in the universe. And again, if you don't agree with us oh well that's your opinion it's not mine there's nothing to agree with ever 
No, not with this pod. Doesn't no. matter. No, <laughs> fuck, fuck you, man. You don't well, know what you're talking about. Last time we started the pod, you were like, "How much research did you do?" And I was like, uh, "An hour." And you were like, uh, "I didn't do any." So I didn't do any for the Western Conference. I did a little bit for the East, um, but that's that's why this doesn't really matter. Well, there's pod. a couple things. One, I feel like I know the Western Conference better than the Eastern Conference. And two, true, I, can, I continue to have call offs at work. So every time I have an opportunity to sit down and do some research, I'm at work expediting food <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> yeah, i'm hoping no. my team gets better or i write them up until yeah they you know like today anymore. when i'm like uh the pods at eight you know and i work till about 5 36 mm-hmm. like here we go i mean it just it just reminds me of during the season the games and all that but i'm I like i'm ready wait. man different mindset this year we're gonna kill it, John. I'm excited. That's why I, these pods are kind of a struggle to get through because I'm just excited for the post game pods. Yeah, I'm with you 100. I'm thinking the same thing. I just I miss doing the post game pods, and it's funny yeah. because by the end of the season, after you've done 82 post game podcasts plus a playoff run, you're a little tired. It's like, dude, every Tuesday, every Friday, you know, back to backs, yada yada. Uh, it, it can be taxing at times. But right now, mid-September, God, I'm so amped. I'm so excited to watch this team. I'm so excited for Media Day, which is October 2nd, which is a Monday upcoming. We're a couple Mondays out from Media Day. Training camp starts the next day. First preseason game is October 8th. First game of the season is October 24th. Like We are right there at the precipice of the start of this season. And you know, if you are new to the podcast, welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast, the original podcast, uh, post-game podcast, and shooting the shit about the Phoenix Suns since 2019. You can follow me at Darth Voida on Twitter. You can follow Matthew at Matthew Lucy on Twitter. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all those fun places. And yes, I'm going to continue to call it Twitter. I know there's a lot of people who call it X or, you know, the, the joke is kind of run out, right? Like, x or twitter or whatever the fuck is it called is it called a skeet a zeet a fucking an x tweet i don't know i'm just gonna call it, i'm just gonna stick with what i know and call it a, a twitter tweet or whatever it's the same though too same it's thing. not has not changed has it it's exactly the same as twitter it's the same yeah. thing okay because yeah, i feel like every time things change with elon musk and this whole twitter thing everyone's worried like oh this might be the last day but i just went on <laughs> and it's like it's the same exact thing i haven't been on there for like a year it seemed like it's the same thing but like more assholes are unmuted and being assholes and that's just what oh, kind of tw- twitters are at and twitters will be so uh pop them if you got them sons fans i'm gonna be popping over popping open a delicious uh four peaks wow wheat it's really nice. It's citrusy. It's got some good alcohol by volume. Uh, Matthew, I assume that you are drinking probably vodka straight is my guess right out of the. Yep. There yep, you go. Right vodka, out of the horse's dick. Right vodka here. straight. There you yep. go. Pop them if you got them. And. Uh... Conference preview time. We got to get to know the competition. But before I get into the Western Conference and do some housekeeping notes before I finish the Eastern Conference, I do have a couple questions for Matthew. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask. And this is something that I do want to talk about with Suns Geek. He is in the chat. Uh, It's something we saw on Twitter the other day. And 
he said, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this uh, next time you, you have an opportunity. So Suns Geek, hit me up, man. We'll, we'll record a video about this because it has to do with the Phoenix Suns. Therefore, you have to make a video about it. But at Usher NBA, Brett Usher on NBA, put hashtag Valley Boys Kelly Oubre was the best Kelly Oubre. He's never gotten enough credit for his role in changing the culture in Phoenix. Matthew, I got to ask, do you think that's accurate? Hmm. I don't know. Okay, so there's one thing with Kelly Ubi when he did depart. Um, him mm -hmm. and when him and um, Rubio did leave, there was that culture thing of like, hey, we have these guys here. But you ever notice like when Kelly Ubre was in pictures with DA, there was never Booker there, right? It was always him to the pop up tent. Booker was never there. This is Booker's team, right? So I think back in the day when he was on the team, it was basically him, DA, and just like you know, it was a party, right? Yeah. Booker was like, I just want to win. And these guys are not – when Booker would talk about, like, players not knowing the plays coming out of a timeout, you kind of figured those were guys like Kelly Oubre, right, or maybe DeAndre Ayton. So things had to change. Um, I Kelly Oubre was amazing. Mm -hmm. On the photo shoot, that sucked because he was in the Valley jersey and then he left right after, was traded. Two days later. <laughs> but it's just – it's crazy to go back in time and just realize, like, people had a hard time with that trade for Chris Paul. Um, 100%. Yeah, we just thought, like, hey, look what we had with him, with him here, but – we knew that winning was a priority and that's why getting a guy like Chris Paul, which is a Booker guy here was the right thing to do, but I don't, I don't miss him. But all. to, but to Brett Usher's point, do you feel like he's got enough credit in his role, changing the culture in Phoenix? Cause that's what he's saying. He's, he's never got, oh, yeah. credit. no, I do don't think th so. I don't why? think so because I think we forget about him. Do right? we though? Yeah, I think so. The thing is like, if you see Kelly Uber, he's out there. He just signed, who did he just sign with? Uh, Sixers. The Sixers. No, no, none of the Suns fans wanted him back, right? Yeah, it wasn't but, that thing of like, hey, we got to get him back because of what he did for this franchise. It was just like, yeah, it was a good time, but no one really talks about him changing the culture as much anymore. See, I feel the exact opposite, and I don't know what else we have to do, like build a statue in front of uh, Footprint Center to honor what Kelly Oubre did to honor or to, to change the culture. I think we all acknowledged it as it was happening. You know, he was blowing the kisses. He was doing the push-ups. He was hitting buzzer beaters. Uh, he was a black hole on offense. He was doing all of these things simultaneously. Valley boys came to fruition in part. Uh, and the Valley Jersey concepts came to fruition in part because of who and what he was. When it came time to unveil those, as you mentioned, he was a part of those photo shoots. He was the guy. It wasn't Devin Booker wearing the Valley Jersey to unveil that concept. It was Kelly Oubre. And I think that, yeah, he was traded for Chris Paul along with Ricky Rubio, uh, which says something about who and what he was. And I think that as a, an organization, as a fan base, we've appreciated him. Like, I don't know what else we're supposed to do to, you know, again, as Brett said it, give him enough credit for his, his role in changing the culture in Phoenix. I don't know what else we're supposed to do. We talk about it. Every time Kelly Oubre's name is brought up, we mention how much, how fun it was, to watch him play how you know the pros and the cons but that he brought the swag and he brought something different to phoenix and something that we hadn't seen in quite some time and it truly did change the culture but what else are we supposed to do like every time kelly Ubre becomes available i don't want him on the team because you know again i don't feel like he fits what the culture has become but that doesn't say that i don't respect and honor what he did i just i think it's an interesting point to say that he yeah. we don't honor yeah. him enough. It's like, and today we're retiring Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, 
and like a season and a half of Kelly Oubre. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, the thing that hurt him big was the bubble where he didn't play. Like, I'm, I kind of go back to that sometimes. And like, if he were to play, and I know we had to go eight and no, we missed it by a hair, which is just a missed shot. Even if he were to play in that, in that bubble run, he probably would have still been traded. Um, but that kind of like he kind of lost a little bit of respect. I feel like when he yeah, did by not playing in the bubble, right? He had the, the bubble, he had the meniscus yeah, injury. He, he had the injury, but again. he was able to play. He just didn't want to exactly. because of the contract situation. But um, that was kind of a negative. I thought. Yeah. Again, I just I think that we've given him enough credit. As Hamo says in the chat, just move on, people. Uh, I don't know why every time his name comes up, everyone's just like, dude, we didn't. Did they want him? Like, even when he signed with the Sixers, where people were like, hey, we should have got Ubre. I didn't see that. So, no, not really. But again, this is somebody on Twitter who's just like, it was just an interesting one that caught my eye. It was in kind of one of our group chats that he was, that Kelly Ubre with Phoenix was the best Kelly Ubre. I don't, I don't disagree with that. But if that was the best Kelly Ubre, how good is he? Anyways, one other thing I want to talk about before we talk about Eastern Conference uh, uh, people, teams, and then the Western Conference. Have you seen those Bowl Bowl highlight videos that are out right now? Of him, like, I have not. Movies and, no. Oh, man. Oh, is it, uh, is he, what's he doing? Is it like a run he's on or something? I should download the video. He's like hitting threes and, you know, he's he's doing some, uh, he, a couple blocks, Um you know, running the fast break with nobody guarding him. Who's he playing with? Is it just like uh, a bunch of busters? Like, okay. Uh, no, I didn't see those. And like so, I said, I've been on Twitter. I haven't seen any Bobo stuff, even though yeah, I didn't put out that article. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, stuff on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, you just wrote the piece for Brightside about the the Bobo season preview, and then this was dropped. I think at the NBA Central on Twitter's the one who kind of posted the highlights. Um, you know, Mook in the in the chat says he's looking amazing. Cool. I'm not overly excited about bowl bowl. You know, again, these are those things that happen this time of year where we start to see it's like Ben Simmons hitting a jumper, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh shit. He's got his shot back. Like this is bowl bowl playing one-on-one or two-on-two against guys who are not clearly not as talented as he is. And my thing with bowl bowl is, and, and like I retweeted it and I pretty much said, Hey, this is, this guy's looking great for the 10th guy on the team, 10th guy on the roster. Because that's where I think Bull Bull needs to end up. And I'm starting to see people commenting, yeah, you know, this guy breaks the rotation. The team's winning the championship. It's like, dude, Bull Bull is literally the worst perimeter defender in the league last year. Last. Mm. So cool. He can hit some fucking jumpers with nobody guarding him. Sorry. Until I see it on the court within the confines of this offense and defense, Bull Bull is just, he, he he's a couple sprinkles on top of a cupcake right now. The Suns' entire team is is the cupcake, and he's a couple sprinkles. He is not nearly as uh, dominant as people are saying. They're like, this could be his breakout year. Yeah, this fifth season. Like this guy doesn't want to fucking play basketball. He just he's he's tall. He's seven foot five. He's like, well, my dad played basketball. I guess I will. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I uh, he will prove me wrong. But until he proves me wrong, I'm not impressed. And I will continue to watch those videos and be like, cool, man. I want to see that on the core. I like that that core foundational skill set is there, but show me with consistency when there's NBA defenders pushing him off of his spot, hitting him right in those hips and moving him away from where he wants to be. Show me then. Yeah, there's well, there's so many players we root for now where you think they can beat All-Stars. Like DeAndre, like I kind of like referenced that Alex Len reminded me a little bit of Bol Bol mm-hmm. just because of the way he kind of shrinks in the paint. Yes. Um, the fun part this year is just that he has – 
kind of the potential. And it's fun because he's on a championship contending team now mm-hmm. that expects a lot of out of all these players. So if he's not living up to his expectations, which is just coming in and being consistent a little bit and learning from the veterans and improving on his game and finding out what he does best and just being really good at that, then he might be traded. You know, he might be let go, whatever. But he has a lot of expectations on this team right now. And I just, I think that it's just so hard with the guy. Yeah, like you said, his fifth season, 23 years old. And like you said, doesn't really seem like he wants to play basketball. But that's the best thing about sports is these guys can turn it around just like that. Like, remember marketing? Like, not the same game, but marketing was just trash. He fucking sucked. And then he went to Utah, a team that was not a championship contending team, made them into something. So things do happen. That's that's why when he comes on a team and every team wants him, every fan base wants him, because they want this guy to actually excel at all the things that he's trying to do on the court because it's so awesome because he's 7'2". And plus, like, it opens up a lot. And I just think he has a couple more years, and then we'll figure out and he only has a one-year deal with the Suns, but he has a couple more years, and we'll figure out what he's going to be in the NBA. I still just think it's kind of too early to say he's shit. So, but like you said, he's the sprinkles on the cupcake. He's just he's just fun to have on this team right now. There's nothing yeah, bad about. No. I don't you know what I mean. So it's kind of cool. I just I'm excited. I think he. I mean, early in the season, he's not going to get any minutes or anything. It's going to be garbage minutes. But he's going to get a lot of free be a lot of play. garbage minutes with this team. Trust me. Let's hope. And, yeah. yeah, and and again, I'm with you on on all accounts like I want him to be successful. There's no one on this team that I think is that I'm actively rooting against. It's just not how I operate uh, unless there's certain players coming. Like if we sign Dylan Brooks, I'd be like, dude, please suck. Uh, But like, you know, between as I'm going through the roster and perhaps I'm just kind of in cynical mode right now, I'm starting to, you know, draw my lines in the sand and take a look at our roster and really kind of put forth my expectations it's a series that we're doing on brightsideofthesun.com. So if you have an opportunity, head over to the website and read what you know both myself and our writing team has put together in our Suns player previews. And I just wrote one a couple days ago. Uh, it came out yesterday, and I actually wrote it on uh, Yudoko Azubuki's birthday, which was two days ago, it was Sunday, uh, about how I just think he's going to be bad, man. Like I just I don't understand that signing. I loved Trey Jameson so much more who played for the Summer Suns than who Yudoka is. I just think that he's he's uh, not conditioned right. I don't think that he's ever really shown consistency on the court. He's really big. He's 280 pounds. Uh, and then you have like the opposite of him is Bull Bull, who's like super skinny and also injury prone and also somebody who has a hard time staying on the court because he's just a tweener. He's too, he's too long uh, to be somebody who can be a, a quality wing defender on the perimeter. And he's shown that and he's too weak on the interior because people just push him off his spots because of his center of gravity. So, I'm not trying to be actively negative about members of this team, but you know, like I'm trying to be real because one thing that I realized as I wrote for Brightside this week was, you know, there's four guys from last last year's squad who aren't signed. Like nobody signed them. Nobody signed Terrence Ross. Nobody signed TJ Warren. Nobody signed Campaign, who was with the Spurs, uh, but was let go. And nobody signed Bismack Biombo. So that is like 26% of your roster from last year. Nobody signed. And we're sitting there last year and we're like, okay, yeah, there's some depth issues, but I think that overall this team is really solid. These are four guys that no one, they, they don't want as a part of their organizations for differing reasons. So as I look at this year's squad, I'm kind of wondering that same thing. Do we really possess the depth that we think we do? Or are we just hopeful that people like Bull Bull will pan out? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the whole Bobo thing, like panning out, that's not a thing. I think um, 
it kind of shows that, you know, a team with Devin Booker on it and Chris Paul last year can push these other guys to play to extreme levels. You know, they're not signed yet. So obviously these are guys that don't, that just aren't seen as guys that can help another team. Mm -hmm. So I think our depth is even better. So that's, I do. I agree. Yeah. So that shows that, you know what, these guys are going to be better on our team are going to be better than what we had last year. I think just because of, like I said, if Booker, if they can have, if Bobo can have like that, the veteran leadership where he just, he seems like he might want to take in some knowledge. Um, All the other guys, but didn't he have that in Denver with Jokic and Jamal Murray? Like, it's sure. been there. It's been there for yeah, him. but he was that was like what two years with them, and they play, he was it two years with Denver or three years? Three years. I think, with Denver I think it was three years with Denver, then one with Orlando. Hmm. Yeah, I you don't know. know. And, and and on Orlando in a team that is letting everybody play because they're not very good. He couldn't. You know, he started off strong. He faded away. So again, plenty. So. Again, that's my cynicism coming out. When I see these highlights and I see everyone getting so excited that Bull Bull's fucking blocking, you know, Matthew Lissy at the Y, like I'm just like, hey, just, you know, temper your expectations, everybody, because we do this as fans. We get so excited because we see one good highlight. We're like, this is it. The guy's made the jump. He's now, you know, it's like, dude, once you get in there with NBA players, it's such a physical game. It takes one sharp elbow yeah. from Paulo Bancaro in his rib cage, and the guy's out for four weeks. Yeah, I think a guy like Bobo, though, he seems like he would want to absorb some information and some knowledge from these guys that would, he would help like, his, his dad's Manu Bowl. He grew up around the game. What information does he feel like he really needs? Who can he relate to on this team? Who can, no one. Who can reach who can reach him? That's I don't know. The question. Is then, it our is well, the is it the leadership of it, DeAndre <laughs> No. So who's gonna get reached first? Who's gonna do the reach around first? Is it gonna be are they going to reach around to DA first or bowl ball? Who do you think will improve the most from last season? Just from like the, the veterans we have on this team. That I, push, I, I, think, Frank I think DA because DA is going to have the opportunity to do so. I think that he's reset his mind. He went away, he played for the Bahamas. He really had an opportunity to step away from this organization and be the guy on a team and feel that. And he's coming back with a different mindset, hopefully a more mature mindset. Uh, if his basketball IQ can match up with his basketball ability knowing that he has the talent around him i think his upside is so much higher than bull bull everyone thinks that bull bull because he, you can play with him on 2k as the four is amazing but it's like reality rubber meets the road and i just i don't see it happening with bull bull i think he's somebody who can contribute at times during the season but we shouldn't get those expectations so high and again i hope i'm wrong and he's somebody who does amazing and it's like dude he's fighting for a, four, a fifth starter spot or he's one of the first guys coming off the bench i just don't see it yeah and i don't know if it's just fandom it's just you know oh look at these shots i don't are they really saying like hey we're a championship contender because of bull bull i think it's just a thing of like hey we're suns fans we're excited for this guy to be here and look at him like he can improve from what he did last year and honestly like his box score stuff wasn't too bad last year i mean the shooting percentages were shit but like i know you said the perimeter defense but there's a lot of guys out there where the defense just takes a while that's what i'm saying like you you're playing with kevin durant man man it's i think that's just something different than jokic jokic of course was the best player last year but kevin durant just has so much more knowledge if he can spread that him and devin booker i just think he can really learn from those guys and he just seems like a guy i can see on his face body language and i know you said that he doesn't seem like he wants to play basketball, but there might be something from last year going into this year where he wants to improve. And I'm I'm excited to see that. Um, I just I, I don't I'm not saying he's better than DA. I can just see him absorbing information and try to work on that and improve into his game. I think DA is who he is and wants to be his own player, right? This guy just needs the help, needs the push. And I think those guys can do it. I hope that they want to do it. 
that's the challenge. Like, do they want to? True. Uh, now I did. I, I did download the video. So, time. do you want to watch the video? Let's do it. Here we go, Jamsters. Here he goes, bringing the ball up way too high. He's blocking some six foot six guy. Finger roll. Oh, this is like not even what I imagined at all. Yeah. Well, come on. They're Savage just like laying block. stuff up for him. Well, yeah. Three on three? Yeah, it looks like three on three. All right, shooting corner three, net. All right, pull up three, net. So again, good looking shot. Fast break dunk. Steal, fast break, travel. And then here's one more runner. So there you well, go. Well, no, Sorry. I don't like that at all. I mean, if See, you're watching that and you're saying like, hey, that's improvement, that's just, what is that, dude? That's like, what? <laughs> there you go. Okay. And again, maybe that's why I didn't see it because that was I didn't I had a higher expectation yeah, than that. You know, at the Dunk Central Bull, on Bull, Twitter baby. said Bull Bull breakout season, and people are like, "Yeah, great year to be a Suns fan. Um, this is it." Uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. Hmm. We'll we'll see. And here we go again. And and I'm we're, upset we're, I saw that. We're, we're sorry, Suns fans. <laughs> we're here to do like we we need to finish doing the Eastern Conference. Uh, we didn't get to finish that because we talked too much Suns at the beginning of last podcast. Here we are. It's We're 25 minutes in, and we've talked about uh, Bull Bull, and have we honored Bull, Bull. Ke- Kelly Oubre enough? So, again, Suns fans. Uh, so is there any anything do you want to talk about the Eastern Conference, or should we go right to the Western Conference? Let's do the West because I feel like we'll spend some time. Are we yeah. just going to do like the top eight, the playoff teams from last year? Is that what we're going to do? Let's start from the bottom. Does that sound good? Sure, man. I love the Western Conference. <laughs> Let's do so, them all. The first I'll team that, that, that we want to talk about, the last seed in the Western Conference last year, the San Antonio Spurs. Last year, they were 22-60. and 60. They have, obviously, some major changes to their lineup this year. First overall pick, Victor Wembanyama, is now a, a San Antonio Spur. Uh, they've signed Trey Jones, who is somebody who I – one of the Suns to potentially pick up as a free agent target. They signed him back. They also brought in Reggie Bullock as a part of that three-team trade that involved Grant Williams going to Boston from or going to Dallas from Boston. Uh, they ended up with Reggie Bullock in that deal. So you take a look at their overall lineup, the 2023 San Antonio Spurs. Okay, two-way contracts with uh, Serge Jabari Rice and Dominic Barlow. Uh, they got Charles Bassey. You know, Kem Birch, who's been around for quite some time. Reggie, as I mentioned. Julianne Champagne is back. Uh, Zach Collins from Gonzaga is there. Devontae Graham, Keldon Johnson. That's probably going to be their backcourt. Victor Wimanyama, Devin Vassell. So this team won 22 games last season, Matthew. Did this team get better, get worse, or just kind of stay the same? Yeah, it's basically the same. Um, you can say better because of Victor, but the, the thing is, is like Victor's probably not going to get a whole lot of minutes. Um, I don't Over under on 60 games this year. Right. I mean, he has, if he were to be a rookie of the year candidate, he would have to play 60 games. Right. Cause that, I think it's, it's 60 or 65. I think is that's it 65. I, I think it's okay. 65 is the new, okay, well, the new rule in the NBA. Okay. Well, you'd have to at least play that, but does that even matter? Do you, does the rookie of the year even matter? I don't know if that's Papa just is like everyone, t- everyone talks about him resting, but I don't see Popovich at the hardest time saying his name earlier. 
Papa I don't bitch. Why he would actually want to rest Victor this season, right? It doesn't seem like a thing that he would want to do. You know what I mean? But what's the, kind of the point? I guess just build for the future, get a better draft pick from next year, continue to build by year three, year four. You have him coming up, coming out, trying to play all 82 games. Or is it because of like the way Zion came out? Just like explosive and now he's hurt and not even fucking playing anymore. You worried about that with Victor? That's, of course, the exciting part of this. Um, but yeah, I think they're exactly the same, right? They didn't improve at all. Yeah, I mean, they did improve with Victor, and I think that's big, and you said that, and I think that that's 100% correct. But outside of that, there weren't many adjustments. They didn't really go after any big fish in free agency. And this is a team that has plenty of cap room. They've spent $138 million in cap, and a lot of what they did is they brought people on simply to fill out that cap sheet to avoid any minimums. So they really didn't go above and beyond in trying to score a big free agent to put with Victor Remanyama. I think this is a team that's that's flat to last year, and I can see them being the 14th or 15th seed in the, in the conference again for a couple of reasons that you mentioned. I think that Victor will be on a pitch count, if you will. doesn't seem like a Greg Popovich thing to do, but I do think that this season is purely getting him acclimated to the NBA, uh, trying to get him some opportunity to grow uh, his game, knowing that he's going to be uh, the highlight that opposing teams are going to try to come and, and, you know, prove their point against he too, you know, as we talked about bowl bowl, Victor women, is another one of those guys who will be pushed around uh, on the defensive end due to his, how, how tall he is. He's got that center of gravity there. If you put your hip into like his thigh, you're going to move him up his spot. And that being said, due to his athleticism, he'll have the ability to recover defensively and make some amazing block shots. But I think overall, the talent around him isn't there. He's not going to, he's not somebody who's going to come in and just carry this team to a playoff spot. I don't, I honestly don't believe that. I think that what the Spurs are doing is they're biding their time. As you mentioned, maybe going after another quality draft pick uh, next season and, and, or using a lot, utilizing that asset to, to go get a big fish when that opportunity uh, presents itself. It wasn't this off season. It might be something the next off season or even two years from now. But I think, I think they stayed the same in my opinion. Yeah, nothing too crazy. And I think it's smart. Just take your time. The white rush it. Like you're not going to win a title within the first 5 years with this dude. Take your time. Don't rush it with him. 100% and build around him the proper way yeah. versus like, you know, kind of like Luca. One of the challenges that Dallas has had is they keep have been trying to throw things around uh and, and try to land those big fish to match yeah, with Luca yeah. and it hasn't been successful. They they brought Kristaps Porzingis what his second year. Uh, after you know a, a decent rookie year for Luca, they're like, all right, we'll bring in Kristaps. That'll work. Well, that yeah. didn't work. You know, three years later, okay, Kyrie. Like they're trying these different things, and all you're doing is you're burning assets in an effort to try to win now. Where if you take your time and develop a roster organically, kind of like what the Suns did, the Suns developed this roster organically to where they boom. Then they could go get that person who would fit perfectly with somebody who's like a Devin Booker who can play with anybody. Uh, yeah, you got to know his game too. I mean, yeah. obviously he's talking to shoot. Um, he can play a point. You know what I mean? But in the NBA, we'll see how it looks. Then you can build around that to see what he's really, really fucking good at. And then it's just like, what kind of guys can he fall around him and just make it make, it make sense? The first game we play against the Spurs is the fourth game of the season, I believe. We have our first two games on the road, Golden State, Halloween. Lakers. 
And then, yeah, is that right? Is it Halloween? I yeah, because right. we were so pissed. We're like, oh, of course it's the Spurs. Yeah, no so. shit. Uh, and then the home openers against the Jazz. So I think actually November second will be the first game that I actually will go and cover for Brightside to go see to go see Next up, the Houston Rockets, who also finished with a twenty-two and sixty record. They've made uh, some changes to their to their roster. Uh, Jock Landale is now over there in Houston. Boban Marijuanovic is there, but you also have Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks will be their backcourt. So you take a look at a team that also drafted Amen Thompson. They have Kevin Porter Jr. Aaron Holiday's there. They got Jalen Green. Those are all their guards. And then they bring in Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. So I ask you, oh, and, and then of course they have, is it Jabari Smith Jr. who's like punching ladies? I was like, is it Javari Smith, Jeff Green, or Kevin Porter? I don't think it's Kevin Porter. I, 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 I feel get like it's mixed Kevin up Porter. because they're like, we're all drafted. Let us um, know in the chat. Who's the guy who the, I, the Rockets I, are now all of a sudden trying to change ever. because he's physically abusive? Let us know in the chat. I always forget which one it is because there's yeah, like three. There's like the four. Name. There's four juniors on the team. Um, yeah, Kevin Porter. Kevin, is that, it Kevin thanks, Porter? Thanks, It's Kevin okay. Porter. So Kevin Porter Jr., fourth kid, at, fourth year kid at a SC. They're actively trying to trade him after he's going to be facing some some. Uh, well-deserved charges for beating up a chick, man. Don't do that shit. So, so what are your thoughts on the Rockets? Get better, get worse, stay the same. <laughs> I think they got better. I'm going to go out there and say maybe they're like a little sneaky pick to get it like a 10th seed this year. Just okay. because, you know, I mean, I love Dylan Brooks still. Even when he was like a WWE wrestler last year playing like just... <laughs> is, fuck, that, is that to fuck me? Fuck him. <laughs> fuck Dylan Brooks. No, no, I like I wanted him on this team this year. I did. I I've always been a Dylan Brooks fan. I know you hate mm. there's one player that is punchable face. Number one for John, it is this guy. But him friend Van Vliet, I'm just saying maybe they can get on a little run here or there. Just underestimate some teams, come in there, steal some wins. And then towards the end of the year, I'm not saying they can make a big trade, but maybe they do. I don't know who would trade for Kevin Porter after what happened, but maybe they can make that big trade to get like some other kind of relevant piece here make the playoffs because I think like Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, they want to win, right? These guys are going to be punching each other. I mean, punching the other team as hard as they can every night. They might punch each other too. Everyone's punching everybody. Um, (laughs) They might need what? They might need Kevin Porter then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think Fred Van Vliet's going to want to win too. Um, Those two guys at the helm is kind of nice to have. So it's kind of like an underrated 10th, 10th, you know, seed in the West for me. Well, so you look at this team, and their projected starting five is you go Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green are your backcourt. Dylan Brooks is your small forward. Jabari Smith Jr. as your power forward. And Shengun as your center. Backing them up, you know, Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore, the rookie out of Villanova, Jock Landell. This team definitely got better. Yeah. From a strategic standpoint, you have to kind of question what they're doing because, again, you have a lot of young guard talent that you're trying to develop or you've been trying to develop. And players like Jalen Green, right? You know, come, entering his third year, uh, somebody who is is a great basketball talent, but just kind of lost in his role, if you will. Is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? But at the same time, I really think that at bringing in Fred Van Vliet and bringing in Dylan Brooks was the right move for this team because it adds some toughness. It has a fuck shit up guy in Dylan Brooks. And with the talent around that, that's something that's good foundationally that can either teach those young players or if those young players don't fall in line, you trade them and and garner more assets for them because you are paying a lot of guys some good money to be on this team. Jock Landell's a great fit on this team. You have some fuck shit up guys. You have some hustle. We know how tough Houston can be, 
but now I feel like they could be dangerous. And I think that you're right. This is a team that definitely got better and has a shot at the play-in. Again, 14th seed last year. I, I see them being better. I definitely do. Yeah, because I'm looking at the standings, and I'm like, you know, Portland, there's probably a trade. We'll talk about them next. Yep. OKC, who knows with that team with injuries. So they might sneak in there. They have a chance. Next up, as you mentioned, the Portland Trailblazers, a team that obviously is kind of stuck in the the mire, if you will, relative to Damian Lillard. Yeah, He's somebody who's expressed, finally, after all the years of him not saying anything, he's finally said, I want to be traded. It's a team that I don't feel really did much this past offseason besides drafting Scoot Henderson. I think that was a fantastic move by them. But outside of that, I, I just don't necessarily know if they've They've done what they've needed to do to correct the situation because they're being kind of held hostage. It's a team that I think got, gets worse. This is a team that goes down uh, worse than they did last season. They finished 33 and 49. So again, 14 and third and 15 seed won, won 22 games. The 13th seed in the Portland Trailblazers, they won 33 games. They won 11 more games than the 14th and 15th seed last season. I think that falls pretty drastically. And I see I, this is a team that will be held hostage by Dame Lillard. Uh, Dame might not play. They might trade. We don't know what to expect from this team. Now, they made that trade with Miami. I keep seeing things about uh, Pat Riley saying they're never going to get, they're not going to get a better offer on um, Portland for Damian Lillard. So if he does go to Miami and Portland can get some guys back, you got Scoot Henderson, you even got Anthony Simons, who he did improve statistically last year, but he kind of fell off a little bit just because I feel like he's kind of held back from a Damian Lillard type player. I think this team actually will look good on paper if they can make that trade um, and they can get some assets from Miami. They can make a push too. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like Damian Lillard's been there for forever. He's gone. Everyone's scared if he leaves, like it's just going to fall apart but they can pick up like kind of maybe like Utah did in a way where Utah was just better after making the big trades. Everyone thought they would suck and just tank. Maybe there's just a little bit more juice back on that team. I know Lillard's a top point guard in the NBA still, but I just think they needed that change and it might be something that can spark that team and they can head into this season, not really knowing who the hell they are yet, but a few months in, maybe they'll start surprising people and can make a playoff push too. I almost said two as well. And maybe ninth <laughs> seed, maybe 10th seed. But I'm excited for um, for Portland to get rid of Lillard. You know, it's one of those players. I always do this thing where it's just you're so sick of seeing the same player on the same team. Time to move on. So I'm excited. I think Miami will be able to get him over there. But somehow. I don't think that Miami has like if I'm Portland. They don't, but I think they just have to do it, right? Yeah, at some point, maybe. I don't know. I just again, who says you have to trade with Miami besides Dane? Yeah, Nobody. That, this isn't a Bradley Bill situation. Said. I know, but then. If it was Phoenix, we wouldn't get him. Like just like Kevin Durant, of course we couldn't pull it off before the season. You know, but that's every my other thing. every other star and every other team gets this stuff done, other than Phoenix. So that's why I just think it's going to happen because players just get what they want, unless you're going to go to Phoenix. But I just again, I don't think that Miami has the viable assets that is acceptable on the Portland side. And don't get me wrong, like for Portland, you have to understand that Damian Lillard, you know, he he's somebody who is going to be or just turn 33 years old, right? Like he's, at, yeah, he's not prime Dame. You can still shoot and it takes a long time to get rid of the shooting. So you have to understand that. So as you're, as you are trying to make that deal, you know, that's why Miami hasn't budged on some things because they're like, listen, we're getting Dame, but we're not getting Dame like five years ago, Dame, like we're getting dinged up Dame. 
game time. So we, we're not going to give you the house. We're not going to give you all of our draft picks and Tyler Hero yeah. and whatever it takes to make this happen. And and Portland at some point is going to realize, like, listen, we have a serious problem on our hands, and we're going to have to get the you know three quarters, uh, two dimes and a nickel for a dollar on this one for a Dame dollar and hope that it works out for them ultimately. I just don't know how stubborn and how long they want to wait. I don't know if their general manager is going to do the same thing that Daryl Morey did essentially with like Ben Simmons who's like, I'm not going to play. And he's like, okay, then don't. And he waited and he, wait, and he turned it into James Harden eventually. Do they have that patience? Will Dame not play? There's too many question marks around this team. And because of those question marks, despite the cool jerseys that they always wear, they're going to be a team that's going to end up being the seller dweller of this conference. And again, one of the things that's positive for them, they do have Scoot Henderson uh, going into next year's draft. They can get another good player to pair with him. And then perhaps at the trade deadline this year or next offseason, that's when they trade Dame. Dame has become this this season's Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, he has. And I just, I'm excited. If they can get Bam and Tyler Hero on that team, like I, if I'm in my Portland, I do that. Like you said, Dame is older now, man. Yeah, I know. Like if they got two stars over there, Miami with Butler and and Lillard, they'll win. Of course, they'll make the playoffs. They'll probably make the Eastern Conference Finals again. Who knows? They can make a push like that. But I'm just, I would be excited, Portland, to get all those names on this team with Scoot and Efrani Simons, and just you have like a nice, decent starting lineup, and then you can build from there. I'm not saying that Bam would want to play there. Who knows? Like I feel like if Bam was traded, he would be the player. Like I don't want to be here. And yeah. Kind of just want to get out of there. That the next season. Um, but I just I would get what I can right but like now. Like Miami me. doesn't want to give up Bam. They don't want to like they don't want to give up anything good. That's the other side of this. That's why this mm. is a stalemate, and we've talked way too much about Portland. Next up on the list, a team that is quite intriguing going into next season, and that is the Utah Yaz, the Yaz Flutes, the team that we will play with our home opener, the Utah Jazz, a team that last season finished thirty-seven and forty-five, surprised a lot of people because again. Prior to last season, they traded Rudy Gobert. They traded Donovan Mitchell. They pressed the reset button. They did ultimately what Portland should do and just say, hey, fucking blow it up. And go figure. What they blew it up for were players who played well together, played hard together. And although they didn't make the playoffs, uh, it was kind of because they took the foot off the pedal because they wanted to you know, continue to improve. But Laurie Marketing came out and was fantastic for them. They... Uh, uh, Jordan Clarkson played fantastic for him, and he's really a pain in the ass in uh, NBA 2K. Colin Sexton played very well for them. Kelly Olenek played well for them. Walker Kessler was an aberration. Uh, and now they've added John Collins to the mix, somebody who finally gets out of Atlanta. What do you think of Utah this season, Matthew? Jason Sanchez, if he's talking about Utah Jazz. Uh, Utah Jazz. <laughs> was, that, um, was that from... Uh... Something was that Anchorman or no? Yaz, Yaz flute is from Anchorman. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, the Yaz flute. Okay, yes. that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, Fred Armerson. Yeah, uh, Jason Sanchez to say, man, middle of the pack. The surprise is over. I I agree with that. I think I think yeah. Utah had a cha- had a chance, I guess, to kind of maybe trade, maybe get a bigger name there. They did get John Collins, but that's not enough. I don't think this team got any better with John Collins. No, um, not really. I just it's not exciting, and they weren't exciting last year, but then they were exciting. Uh, I think Laurie will definitely. Be, he has the possibility of being an all-star again this year, but other than that, they just didn't improve. For those of you who didn't catch it uh, after oh, our last podcast, 
you and I went on to the Lakers Fast Break podcast. So you can go and you can check that out on their YouTube channel. And we answered a bunch of questions about the Suns. And then they gave us the opportunity to ask them about the Lakers. And, you know, one of the things I asked is like, how the fuck does the NBA constantly bail out the NBA? Because their roster was dead in the fucking water last year. And Utah was one of those teams that are they're like, you know what? We're going to bail out the mm-hmm. fucking Lakers because they're the ones who traded Jared Vanderbilt uh, to to the Lakers. It just, I'm like, I just didn't understand it. You know, they didn't really have an answer. They're like, oh, it, just, it worked out for us, you know, but it was, they got like Juan Toscano Anderson. They're the ones who got like Westbrook and then they dished him and waved him and all that stuff. Uh, but drive me crazy, that goddamn uh, Utah team. But you're right. This is a team that if you were to ask me if they got better, or got worse to stay the same, I kind of think they stayed the same. Um, they did make a bunch of additions and subtractions and, and, and whatnot, but ultimately, you know, they signed Jordan Clarkson again. Uh, they traded Rudy Gay as a part of that, that John Collins deal. So if you look at their projected starting five, it's Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, Laurie Markinen, John Collins, Walker Kessler. Sounds like a pretty good starting five there backed up with Chris Dunn. Uh, some guy whose name I can't say Taylor Horton, Tucker, Taylor Hendricks, Kelly Olenek. It's yeah. a team that has potential to bite you because that's what the NBA is. It's a team that has the potential to be a play-in team, in my opinion. Um, but ultimately, I just I, I I don't know what their identity is. I don't know if they know what their identity is going to be. I don't think so either. And I can't believe we talked about Utah this long. I they're so boring. Just looking at their name, Utah Jazz. Just, look, like, just eh. looking at their fucking jerseys. <laughs> yeah. It's like. It's like don't get a star. Don't get a star there. Thank you for not doing anything. Thank you for getting John Collins, the one, the one play that no one wanted. (laughs) No, like half the fucking Suns fan base wanted John Collins. I was just like, we wanted anything but Aiton. That that was me too. I was like, just give us John Collins, and I don't care. That was before though. That was before what? What am I talking about? This before? What are you talking about, Matthew? Before what? Before what? Before (laughs) Aiton? Ba? Before? Before what? Oh, two years ago when Da was awesome. John Collins. It's it's because he yes, it's because he dunked once. Everyone's like, oh shit, he can dunk. I'm like, guys, don't don't fall in love with the fucking highlights. Don't be a a casual. All right, I'm gonna ask you this before we get into their roster. The Dallas Mavericks, a team that missed the playoffs last season, ended up being the 11th overall seed. They were 38 and 44 last season. I don't have the the metric in front of me as to how they what their record was once Kyrie came over, but it wasn't good. No, 38 and 44 last season. Quite simple. Did they get better? Did they get worse? Or did they stay the same this offseason, Matthew? This one's actually tough. I think they got better. And I'm not talking about the additions. I think just having a year with Kyrie, whether or not you guys like him or not, him and Luca, if they can figure shit out, they got better. Um, but that's that's all. That's the only reason. I mean, that's the only way that they can get better is that those two figure it out. Um, but what do you think? Well, you look at their moves. Okay, they signed Kyrie to a three-year, hundred twenty-six million dollar uh, contract that includes a player option at the back end of that. Uh, they re-signed Dwight Powell. They re- they signed Seth Curry. They signed Dante Exum, Derek Jones Jr.'s, Markeith Morris just a couple days ago. They traded for Grant Williams, as as uh, mentioned before, in that three-team trade with the Boston Celtics. And ultimately, you know, they, they bring in Rashawn Holmes in a trade with uh, the Sacramento Kings. 
They got Derek Lively Jr. And if you look at their projected starting five, it's Luca, it's Kyrie, it's Tim Hardaway Jr., Grant Williams, Dwight Powell. Backed up with Jaden Hardy, Seth Curry, Josh Green, Maxi Kleba, Rashawn Holmes. This team, in my opinion, uh, Mega Giants 89, who I appreciate in the chat and I hate your football team because what they did to the Cardinals just broke my heart two, two days ago. Uh, but he, he says it perfectly. Mavs got a little bit better. And what I think is, is where they got a little bit better was on the defensive end, obviously by bringing in somebody like Grant Williams. Now, if we're talking seven-game series stuff, no. But if we're talking night to night, Grant Williams is one of those kind of like a Draymond Green guy. Like he's he's undersized, but he's pesky, he's annoying. And ultimately, uh he he's gonna provide some defense around a team that doesn't have really good defense. Luca Kyrie, not good defenders. Dwight Powell, not good defender. Tim Hardaway, average defender. Grant Williams, above average defender. So again, I think the challenge with this team is they got better a little bit defensively. Uh, and they also have JaVale McGee, by the way. So a, a lot of former sons on this team with with Rashawn Holmes and JaVale McGee. I thought McGee's and, gone now. Is he? Right? I'm looking yeah, at I think their they just let him go. Chart. Uh, I think you're right. Did yeah, because up, did he, he was Sacramento? there last year. And he was their starting center, and then it didn't work. Yeah, out. he didn't do shit. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, shocking, huh? So yeah. I just it, it's a team that I just I think they got a little bit better. Yeah, Sacramento. Thank you, Ted. Offensive yeah. in the chat. Uh, he is in Sacramento. Sacramento. Uh, a team we'll get to here shortly. I just I I don't. They don't scare me. Do they scare you? Yeah, they do. And it's just because I'm the guy that's like... Because Luke is the best guy in the court? Yeah, you got the best guys in the court. And Kyrie, I'm so surprised that they couldn't pull it together. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm actually not that surprised just because of what Kyrie is. I love it. Th- it. They can just figure it out. But I just don't believe him. Like, Kyrie's the biggest bullshit artist to play the game. Like, he'll, he'll make you believe. But then you watch and it's just like, wait, well, you didn't win the game? Why? Oh, because... Something. I don't know. I There's a guy in the fourth to. row said something to, to me. Um, I don't know. My head's not in the game. Like there's just things that happen to him during the game, during a series. You just don't want to get into if you're if you're if you're a fan of the Mavs, you just don't want to ever probably see that in the future. So I they're gonna stick together. Mark Cuban pulled pulled the trigger. He's gonna stick with it. He's gonna have those two guys, and he'll probably say, I'll never trade them or anything again going into the season. But that could be one of the first trades, Kyrie, to somewhere else. Um, I, I could absolutely see that. I could see, I could see that, but if they can pull together, they're scary. But I just, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to be bullshitted again. I mean, of course, I don't want them to be good. But it'd be kind of cool to see those guys have some f- pretty fucking phenomenal games together. But I don't think it's going to happen. They're going to be a great offensive team. But they're going to be a, they will be a offensive rating, like the sixth highest offensively rated team. But they'll have like the 19th defensive rating, in my opinion. Just my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to turn this into a two-parter, man. This is going to be Western Conference Preview Noist. Part 1. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, it's uh, already 50 minutes. All right. Yeah, holy shit, man. Um, we can't just get... We, again, last season, we did, like, division by division. It was just, yeah, I was like, how do we do this in one pod? I'm like, no, it was... We division. didn't. We did division yeah. by division. Uh, next up, a team that made the play-in at a 40-42 and 42 record, the Oklahoma City Thunder... A team that, when you take a look at how ultimately they navigated the offseason, uh, I think that they did well. You know, Patty Mills um, was kind of around the team, and and they traded him away. Uh, they got Rudy Gay. They uh, they were part of that 
Dylan Brooks trade that, that, you know, so they got Patty Mills in that, that Dylan Brooks trade. Then they traded him for Ty Ty Washington, Rudy Gay and Usman Garuba uh, and a future second round pick. So again, just typical um, Oklahoma city stuff. Uh, they got Victor Oladipo back. Um, they got Davis Bertans. That's where he's at now. If anyone is wondering, like, where the fuck Davis Bertans end up? He's over there in Oklahoma City. Uh, they got Casey Wallace. You take a look at, at their starting lineup, potentially. Shea Gilgis-Alexander with Josh Giddy in the backcourt. Lou Dort playing small forward. Jalen Williams at power forward. And Chet Holmgren, who did not play in last season's uh, at all, in last season at all, the, no, the number one pick of the 2022 NBA draft. Tell me what your thoughts are on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Did they get best, better, did they get worse, or did they stay the same? They got better. They think they're going to be a top four seed this year. I, I really do. I think SGA is going to be MVP candidate. He, I, He's my prediction. We don't do predictions yet. A little sneak peek. Ooh. He's my MVP this year. I just think he's that fucking good. Um, of course, when you're looking at Chet, um, what are you going to get? You don't know yet. He's still a rookie. Know. hasn't played one game yet. I just, I like this team. It kind of, it just reminds me of Sacramento in a way where it's like, they, they stick to these guys. They they continue to grow. And obviously, I think last year and the year before, the year before you saw a little bit of improvement. Ever since CP3, you kept seeing improvement. Last year, you really did. And they're just they they're so close to like pulling through with, with some of these close games. They're right there. And it just reminds me of Sacramento in a way where they can pull off an incredible season by just be, having that continuity and just playing great with the, the MVP candidate and SGA I just, I really think they're going to be a top four seed this year. That's my little, that's my little prediction uh, going to this I, year. I, I definitely think that they are going to be better. I think they're a team that is going to be on the fringe of the play-in or avoid it altogether. The sixth seed, I think that's as high as they go because I just think that there's some really good teams in the Western Conference. But they, when you have a player like SGA, you can close games. And he's somebody who has the ability to get to the line, good, bad, or indifferent. And when you're in a tight game, you just go to him over and over again. And, and we saw that last season. We got SGA, we got the Thunder a lot at the back end of last season. Remember, like the, we had to play them all season. We yeah. played them like four times yeah. in the last month of the season. And we got all the SGA we wanted to see. And I think he only played in like two games. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy is just, he's a machine. He's kind of like Harden was when Harden was effective at getting to the line. Uh, just knows how to navigate and utilize his athletic prowess and, and utilize his body to get what he ultimately wants. And that's to the line, get those three points, slow the game down. I think this team gets better because they have Chet Holmgren. You have a, a number one overall pick. I think that they are, they're young, they're dangerous. They don't give a shit. They kind of remind me of the Suns a few years ago when all of a sudden we came out uh, after the bubble and we just had a different swagger about us. And we were a team that believed. I think this is a team that believes, and I and I think it's a bold prediction that you that you stated them going number four, but that's why it's a bold prediction. I see them being a seven slash six seed, as okay. a couple of these teams we're going to talk about momentarily. I think got a little bit worse, including the next team, which is the New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans Pelicans last season ended at the number nine seed. They were forty two and forty overall. Uh, looking at what they've accomplished this season or off season, I should say. You know, again, knowing that a lot of their fate ultimately lies in the hands uh, of a man who loves a cheeseburger, and that's Zion Williamson. But they're a team that uh, traded away Devontae Graham and got Josh Richardson. So, you know, he's somebody who is I I literally played on like every fucking team. I'm, I'm like, I swear I just saw him on three different rosters while doing the previews. 
Yeah, he's he's like everywhere. He's been everywhere at least. But this is a team that ultimately they didn't do much this offseason. Do you think that they got better, got worse, or stayed the same because of that? Oh, they they stayed the same, but they're going to be terrible. They're one of the teams I think Houston will leap into the playoffs. I think they're like a bottom three team this year. I, I just don't – you can look at the roster. Hell, it looks great. looks awesome on paper. This is one of the teams that's going to make a big trade, something, or Zion's going to be out. There's just going to be injuries. I don't see a whole lot this year. It's like a bad luck season. It, you can kind of see it coming. Um, no playoffs this year for this team, I don't think. I agree. This is this is a regression team for sure, in my opinion. You look at their start, projected starting lineup, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Trey Murphy, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas. We've seen this story again, and we saw how it played out. Now, again, so much of it comes down to the health of Zion Williamson. Yeah. And if he's in there playing, it's a damn good team. But I still think that it's just it's not a complete team. Jose Alvarado, Dyson Daniels, Herbert Jones, Najee, Marco, Larry, Najee Marshall, Larry Jance Jr., Larry Nance Jr. are the backups. We've seen this. It's like the same team we played in the playoffs two seasons ago. And although the, some of these players might be getting better, some of them might be getting worse as well. And I just think that it's a team that Brandon Ingram will be traded. This this other uh, season, this I over. guarantee it's, it. They're feeding off of Zion. Zion's not. He doesn't want to play there. He just doesn't. He just why would eat. they? Why would they want to win when their best player, the best player in the NBA, if he actually steps foot on the floor, is gonna not want to play? Like, why would they even want to play one fucking game with that team? I hear you. I so, just. I don't. I don't. I, see it's it. over, dude. The Pelicans. Next next team, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves awful also were 42 awful. and 40 last season and awful <laughs> overrated. Uh, a team that had an interesting year. If you recall, they started out very rocky. The entire Rudy Gobert uh cat dynamic wasn't working. Cat went out for quite some time. The team kind of gained some confidence. They come back, cat was integrated, they kind of worked, uh, played really well at the back end of the season. And then they like start punching fucking walls and breaking hands and throw fits because that's what a cat team does is they just kind of throw fits. And you look at how ultimately they navigated the off season. And again, another team that I feel just didn't do too much. Nothing really crazy. I mean, no, I'm looking at everything they did. It's like they signed Nikhil Alexander-Walker to a two-year deal, Shake Milton to a two-year deal, Tony Brown Jr. to a two-year deal. If you look at uh, all the, the trades that they made in the offseason, it was one. They traded for Leonard Miller by giving up like two second-round picks to the Spurs. So again, it's interesting because the last like few teams that we've gone through, that there are teams that are trying to break on through to the other side really didn't do much this offseason. Why do you think that is? Because no one wants to play there. That's why. At, at I, any of these places? Or just no, I, yeah, no one wants to play in Minnesota. Um, they made their big trade last year and the big signing. And I just, I when you look at both teams, so are you talking about New Orleans? Or are you talking about... Um, New Orleans didn't do anything. Oklahoma City really didn't do anything except like Chet Holmgren's coming back, right? Dallas went and got Grant Williams. So that's yeah. like a move, right? You know, but for the most part, you know, the, the Jazz are kind of holding fast. Portland had, didn't do shit, right? Uh, yeah, when I look at Minnesota, I'm like, how do you just make this Anthony Edwards team? How do you make it to where... That's the answer. How do you... Yeah, he just has to be the face of the franchise. Like, he's just that fucking good. 
and they're just taking so much away from him with all these other guys. And I cannot believe that Cat is still on the team. It's incredible. I I don't Cat know. Cat will be traded for Brandon Ingram. <laughs> you know, that would be awesome. You're, you're 100% that right. Be I, I think Anthony Edwards, he showed in FIBA that he's an alpha dog. I think that Cat is one of those players that, due to his personality, wants to be the alpha dog. But he bitches and moans so much. I don't think there's a lot of respect there. And I think that this is the year that it starts to transition to truly be an Ant-Man's team. And there's going to be some growing pains there, and that's where Minnesota is going to struggle. So if you ask me if they got better, got worse, or stayed the same, this is another team that I think got worse, in my opinion, by staying the same. So when we, so when we talk about Oklahoma City Thunder and they're going to jump up, right? The Houston Rockets, they could potentially jump up because of some of their talent and some of their acquisitions because they made a couple – uh, moves and, and are trying to make an impact. Minnesota, I feel, is going the other way uh, by staying the same. And that's going to be kind of the growing pains. They're going to see what they got another year. And, you know, midseason, if it's, yeah. they're not cutting it, I think that they realize, like, Cat ain't the answer. I, Gobert with Ant, yeah, we've kind of seen that same combination when Gobert played with Utah with Donovan Mitchell. But Ant-Man's so much more of an alpha than Donovan Mitchell is, in my opinion. And I think that that's what... Minnesota ultimately will want to bank on versus banking on cat with ant. You can't grow with this team though. There's no growth at all. Like this is who they are. And you know what? I even said, like, I feel like, um, go bear would replace cat eventually in time. And I can see him doing that still. Um, but you can't grow with this team right now with cat on the team and Anthony Edwards. You just can't, those two did not mesh. You got to do what like what you did with Booker. Like you just have to. Have, Anthony Edwards this is your team. You get to restart, then you restart. Yep. And just get rid full, of all these fuckers commit. that are just messing up his game, dude. Full commit. And cats, they're out in my opinion. It's a team that when they acquired yes. Rudy Gobert, they gave up so much and so much draft capital. It didn't make any sense. Cats, you're out. I mean, cat is ultimately, in my opinion, how you make like a Miami trade work. You involve Minnesota somehow to where yeah. Portland can get cat. Right. And then, you know, uh, Dame ends up in Miami and then draft picks from both team end up in Minnesota. And then Minnesota has now rebuilt their foundation and goes, you know what? This year we're going to fucking suck and we're going to uh, take it easy. We want you to be the star that you are, but we, we also want you to take it easy. We're going to tank a little bit. We're going to try to see if we can build this team up. We're going to get you some quality people by utilizing either draft picks or by using the draft itself. But yeah, they're not going to win with this team. Like he shouldn't yeah. have an issue with it. He knows they're not going to win, so it's let them fact. work their magic. I guess I don't know if you could do that with their front office, but <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, <laughs> I guess. Well, that's going to be it for the Western Conference preview part one here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. You're definitely going to want to tune in this time next Tuesday when we preview part two, which will include the Los Angeles Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Phoenix Suns, the Sacramento Kings the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Denver Nuggets. Which one of those teams is going to fall out of contention as Matthew thinks that the Oklahoma City Thunder will take their spot as the four seed, (laughs) which is what the Suns were in last year. So you're definitely going to want to tune in next week for that. And Jamsters, we're both itching to come back and and bring you more content. It's just around the corner. we got a couple more weeks where we're coming to you Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Arizona time. And then once October 4th hits, those are the post-game podcasts. Four preseason games. Buckle up, buckaroos. It's going to be a blast. I need, I need to make that a drop. 
the that has to be that's kind of yeah what yeah think of a reason to have it yeah like yeah we got to put that on the pod yeah it's like oh shit here we go <laughs> buckle up buckaroos and just go from there so uh but again we appreciate everybody's taking some time out of their day if you're watching along live on youtube uh thank you to everyone who's been commenting on the chat it's good to see some new names yeah. it's good to see some of our Whoa. old games it's good to see creepy crawly popping in and saying vagina australian for pussy uh, so we appreciate we appreciate, yeah, appreciate that. that. We, we we appreciate anyone who likes, subscribes, rates, reviews, hops on Apple Podcasts, gives us a five star review, writes a little something. We'll read it right here on the podcast. It's the place to be, guys. We have oh, an exciting season coming Get up. Ready, John's gonna be this, live at the games, dude. Come on, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna, be some, it's gonna be some great audio in the background. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I gotta go. Don't end the podcast, though, John. Don't end the stream. <laughs> Oops, I'll never forget. <laughs> oh, I guess we're done. I was like, okay, I, was you guys. I got. I was so excited for that pod. I got all my notes and everything. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna fucking own this. I was no, nope. I was thinking about that today. So I, I was looking at that uh, that Brett Usher tweet when he talked about Kelly Oubre never getting his credit for his role in changing the culture in Phoenix. And I like, uh, I snipped it and I put it in my word doc notes. I'm like, I kind of miss taking notes. It's just around yeah. the corner, man. Can't wait. Just around the corner. So, so again, Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. I'm at Matthew Lissy. And you can read all of our writing at <laughs> brightsideofthesun.com. So uh, until this time next week, everybody have a good one. And Matthew. Yeah. Go home. Love your family. Take care.